Welcome to Game Talk Radio, your hosts, Greg and Jen, bringing you their take on this week's hottest gaming news. Welcome back, everybody, to Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg. I'm Jen. And this is episode 17. One seven. One seven. So I'd say probably half the podcast today, we're going to talk about the Switch. So if you don't care, I guess you can stop listening now. Whoa. But that's the back half. Yeah. So if you want to hear the Switch stuff, you can fast forward. Or you can just listen to the whole thing and shut up about it. Whoa. And not complain. How about that? Don't tell our listeners what to do. Well, I'm going to tell them. <laughs> Keep, listen, buckle in for this one. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So that's going to be like the, the main story, the back half or whatever. Uh, we'll be doing that. But in the beginning, we did have a couple stories we want to touch upon. The first being... That uh, this week, or last week, I suppose, uh, Microsoft announced that there's going to be something called the Xbox Game Pass. Which, when you explained it to me, is is a lot like Netflix streaming, but with video games. And my thought, my first thought was, well, don't we already have Gamefly? But that's just physical games, yeah. right? Yeah, so Gamefly was kind of like Netflix before they went to... The- pretty much the all digital platform right. that they have now. So Gamefly, you still send them, you pay them money every month and you get a game, you send it back, you get another game. It's like a game rental service. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is very similar to PlayStation Now, which is a the same sort of streaming service that uh, Microsoft's offering up is something that Sony did a couple years ago. Uh, Sony, though, it charges $14 a month and that's only if you buy it multiple months out. Normally, it's $20 a month, I think, oh. just month to month. Microsoft is coming in at $9.99 a month That's to stream cheap. what they say is over 100 Xbox 360 and Xbox One games. So what are the benefits of doing this stream-wise rather than just buying a game outright? It's probably cheaper? Well, I think subscription model is just another way to get people to play your games. Mm-hmm. And if you notice game sales are going down, it's almost like Netflix. like They're able to do a lot of original content now because they have so many people buying subscriptions from them. So I think it's kind of the same thing. Like Microsoft sees that essentially the future may not be digital downloads of games. It may be digital streaming of games. So they might be thinking just what the future lies because for the longest time, they've been trying to get us to switch to digital. There's a lot of problems with that. Um, Really large game sizes take a long time to download. So you need way more space. And you need way more space on your hard drive. And then you, um, it takes a long time to download. Now they've kind of battled that a little bit by having things like preloading. So you can preload your games so that they're able to be played the night they come out. Like you could start downloading it a couple days before, mm. but that's another headache. Uh, and then if you don't preload, basically the game comes out at midnight, you get to start downloading it. And it takes sometimes up to eight hours if you have pretty good internet to download. And then you have to update it and all this other nonsense. Right. So the streaming, it could just be another way of of doing games in the future, especially indie games. I could really see that. Uh, as opposed to having to download everything physically, but it is what it is. So it's just interesting that Microsoft kind of out of nowhere came out with this plan and Sony's been doing it for a while, but not very successfully. So the PlayStation Now service only lets you stream PlayStation 3 games. Oh. And I think a couple of PS2 games, but mostly PS3. So what always bothered me about PlayStation Now was why didn't they offer their entire Sony library? Like, you should be PS1, PS2, and ps Right, they've got such a great library they of games. Do. PS2 is the perfect example. I think the majority of the video games that I own are PlayStation 2. Right, and and it makes sense to me, just like Netflix does. Okay, so you want to get those best Square 
Enix RPGs, then mm-hmm. you pay Square a percentage of whatever those games are played, and then they you get the right stem. The more good games you have, the more people are going to buy your service. So it's 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 very like like the PlayStation Now system is just like Netflix, except they're not doing it as well. And so it's you know I don't know I I have probably mentioned this before, but I'm much on the side of I like having a physical copy of the game, which I still do as well. I mean, Netflix is great, and I love Netflix for watching television shows or movies and everything. But for me, video games are not meant to be like an all-you-can-eat buffet. With the increase in video games available to me at any one time decreases my ability to play one. Because Interesting, okay. It's it's almost like if I if I don't like the game, I'll switch it out and then I'll play a different game. So I'm in this constant state of like learning how to play the video game. I get frustrated, so I give up. Whereas if I actually have bought the game new or used and I only have that game to play, it almost forces me to see it through and not get frustrated and just throw it across the room. That's a cool take. Actually, that makes a lot of sense because I say the same thing about emulators. Mm-hmm. Like when I have... Like, on my PSP, which I've got hacked so that I can take, like, my PS1 and my NES games on, like, an airplane or something, portably. Um, we don't condone that. No, no, no. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I own all the games I play on there. I mean, I, I mean you know, I'm but I agree. Kidding. I'm not, like, a, obviously Sorry. owning a used game store. I'm not a fan of piracy. Um, <laughs> you know, we like people to buy stuff. But I do it for that reason. But there are times when, say, you've got a choice of 200 games. You might only play a game for five minutes as soon as it frustrates you. Right. Well, there's a different game I can play. But if you only have one or two games to play, you're going to you're going to power through that kind of like when we were kids. I don't know if you ever did a lot of game renting when you were younger, but like I know we didn't didn't. we didn't have a lot of money. So we only really rented games and we would go to the grocery store and we could rent a game for the weekend. It was like two bucks and we could rent a game for the weekend. And if you rented a stinker, you played it the whole weekend because it was the only game you had and you found some joy and some fun in it. So it's definitely. I don't know, like, but for I, us... It's almost overstimulation. Well, I think we kind of had a similar experience, but ours was on the opposite end because we had a game, but that was the only game we had. Like, my brother only had probably, if I had to guess, 15 titles on his Nintendo. And when we got Super Nintendo, we only had maybe five games. And it was just because we really didn't have any interest or... There wasn't, you know, a used video game store or anything like that. And for from my dad's perspective, renting a game was a waste of money because you didn't get to keep it. Oh, interesting. So we had an, kind of an opposite sort of effect. I'm not saying that we didn't rent games. I can, for some reason, I have in my memory, like we would rent, we had in the past rented games, but it wasn't enough for me to remember hmm. several times of doing it. But Going back to the the podcast that we did, I think it was last week where we talked about Peter Kuselchek, mm-hmm. the one who played through all of the Nintendo Entertainment System games. Yeah. I mean, just imagine the amount of dedication of getting through it. And I'm sure that when he was in hour 80 of that piano playing program, he wanted <laughs> to throw in the towel, but it was the goal of playing through all the games. So, I mean, if that's your goal to play through all the games, sure, then a subscription service would be a lot cheaper than actually buying the games outright. But if you're like me, I don't play a wide variety of games. I kind of stick to very similar games. And I don't play a lot. 
I mean, I don't play a lot of in terms of quantity. I mm-hmm. much prefer quality over quantity. That's an interesting take because I also think about sometimes when you feel like just watching something new on Netflix. Like, we've obviously got our shows we watch. We mm-hmm. always default to, like, Scrubs or The Office, like, for just something quick and fun to watch. Yeah. And then, obviously, we're, we're on Hulu. We're watching Twin Peaks right now. Or so, if you're me, I'm watching Golden Girls. You're watching Golden Girls, but but like you, but so you, we've got some that you always go back to. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I feel like I want to watch something new. You know, like every year on Halloween, I always want to watch a scary movie, right? Right. Like, like you and me watch, and then I sit there and I look for I don't know an hour because there's just so there's just many, so much. And what yeah. do we watch? Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Yeah, and then we end up watching what we've already watched before, but we know it's good. But then you end up kind of settling, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. I I I'm definitely with you on that. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. So that might be a bad thing. And also, people play games differently. Like right. there was a long, there was a long time when I, when I was playing World of Warcraft, very hardcore. Like I wasn't playing other games besides that. Or if I did, I was playing them very casually. So back then, it would have been really neat for me to be able to hook it up and go, "Oh, I played this game for ten minutes to a half hour. It was cool. Now I know about it. I can tell people about it, mm-hmm. but I have no interest in finishing it." Now, though, I've gotten more on a I want to finish every game I play kick, which sure. is why I'm going crazy right now, because I was playing oh, Neo, right. had to stop playing Neo to play Horizon, and I'm probably going to stop playing Horizon to play Zelda. Because you watched me play 10 minutes yeah. of it, and, and it's so beautiful. And it looks just amazing, so I, I want to play that. And I also, I do believe, though, that Horizon's going to be better than Zelda, so I want to play Zelda first. So oh, that's that I don't... it. Oh, come on. It's not... It's Do you not... quit? Oh, stop. <laughs> I mean, it's Legend of Zelda. I, I, I want to enjoy it, and I'm sure it's going to be awesome. Like, it looks great already. I just, like, Horizon just has equal parts Mass Effect, Metal Gear Solid, and... And cultural misappropriation. And cultural misappropriation, <laughs> which we will get into in a minute. But yeah, so that, I mean, so th- I like the idea of a streaming service because look at how right. TV was completely revolutionized by Netflix. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's very, I, I think it is an, a niche market, a niche market rather. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's going after a certain demographic, demographic of people. I almost said demographic. That is not that's... what I meant. <laughs> a, a demographic of people who want to play 10 minutes of a bunch of games to find the one that kind of sticks mm-hmm. and then if you kind of if you take the subscription cost and multiply that by a year you know if it's 10 bucks a month what is that 120 dollars a year that's about the price of maybe three it's, it's three the price of four two retail games 60 brand bucks a new yep. And if you feel like you can get your money's worth out of that, then more power to you. But for me, it's, well, it's, it's kind just of, not for me. When Part of the reason Sony did it, I think, was because it was their answer to backwards compatibility or their lack thereof. Because ah. the PS4 doesn't play PS3 games. But that first generation PlayStation 3 did, didn't it? If, and then it had all those overheating first gen, issues. First gen PS3s played PS2 and PS1 games. Yes. All PS3s play PS1 games, which a lot of people don't know. I didn't know that. All PlayStation 3s will play PlayStation 1 games. What? Yeah, it's... it's I know, it's crazy. <laughs> but it, it's it's funny because basically the, the PS1 emulation on the PS3, it was software emulation. Oh. So when they were... When the PS3 first came out, it was really expensive. And it wasn't selling well, so they started looking at things to cut out to drop the price down. So they started taking out backwards compatibility, and they took out a couple other things. They get the price down. But PS1, that was just software emulation, so that didn't cost them anything to leave in. So they just left it in, and they left it in as part of a software thing, so a lot of people didn't realize that, but even the slim PS3s, the super slims, the sliding doors, they all play PS1 games still. 
Here's a funny anecdote about how I know about the backwards compatibility of the first generation PlayStation 3. Because a friend of mine, his name is Josh, he left, uh, he joined the military and he was stationed, believe somewhere in the Middle East, probably Iraq, I think. But when he left, he put a bunch of his stuff in a storage unit, but he asked me, hey, um, I don't, like, I'm fine with, like, leaving my furniture and my books and all this in my storage unit, but could you hang on to my technology? Because I don't want that to get, mm. A, water damaged, B, stolen, or C, just sure. something to happen to Makes it. sense. So I got very, very used to having a PlayStation 3 that was backwards compatible because right. he was the kind of guy that needed to buy it, like, day one. Sure. And, uh... I got very, very used to it. And so when he came back from being stationed abroad, you know, went out to buy a PlayStation 3 and realized, oh, they're not all backwards compatible. Oh, okay. So I was very frustrated by that. And since then, I've been very, not anti-PlayStation, but just anti, you know, why can't you just make it backwards compatible? Because to me, I I, I would gladly pay an additional cost to have an extra feature or make it something where you can just you can buy it it's external or whatever it might be so that you can play it all in one because i don't like having to drag out my playstation 2 hook it all up and then play playstation 2 games and the way xbox one does backwards compatibility is you put the disc in it reads the disc and then downloads that game from the store and you technically (laughs) play a download oh so it's it's a little strange but it works Mm -hmm. now on PlayStation 3, they had some PS2 games you could buy in the store. So it's like, well, if I can buy it in the store, why couldn't I do the same thing? Put the right. disc in. You say, hey, you already own this game. So exactly. we're going to let you download it and play it that That's way. That's the thing. It's like I already own it. I already own a PlayStation 2. I already own PlayStation 2 games. Please just let me play yeah, it and, on my PlayStation 4. <laughs> and, I agree with you not, and I agree with you not wanting to hook up a PS2. But when people come in looking for backwards compatible PS3s, they're old now and they're all starting to break the original model. I'm just telling people, just buy a PS2 and be happier. The PS2 is going to last way longer. I do love my PS2. The PS2 Slim is great. It's a really solid system. It's great. Um, Like I said, I have more games. I think the only one I have that is even close to the amount of PlayStation 2 games I have is my GameCube, which Mm -hmm. is also one of those where it's like, you have a GameCube? I'm like, yes, I have a GameCube, and it's amazing. And it's so awesome. shut your mouth. GameCube's great. I never owned a Wii. <laughs> oh, I own a GameCube. <laughs> so as we were talking about, but anyway, yeah, so that's that's basically just to sum it up. It's cool. It's like a Netflix-type service. Yeah. I, I like where they're going. It'll maybe make companies step their game up when it comes to that sort of stuff, and, and maybe they'll make an improved service. They'll keep making it better. Maybe one day, I don't think it'll ever replace gaming. It won't replace physical copies, but... I could see it being a nice addition to that. Like people who have Netflix typically still collect DVDs and Blu-rays. Right. It's just, they like the service for convenience. Well, and the other thing is just the fact that a lot of the time they'll put a movie on there and then they'll take it off because whatever, like, right. They're rotating them in. I love the great British bake off and they had one season on there for months and months and months. And I watched it all the time because it's very soothing. If you've never watched it, it's a very soothing reality show. Cause it's not really a reality show. It's a competition, but it's it's very British. That's all I can really yeah, say. Yeah, well, they don't do the American stuff where no, it's all like, like it's it's boom, like boom, boom, boom. last minute, you know, all this like really flashy, like who's gonna win? Bum, 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 bum. Yeah, you know, it's like, not like just, that at all. Just just show me the winners, please. Super like, it, chill. yeah, it doesn't need to be like a cliffhanger every commercial break and everything like that. Right, and uh, 
they took it off and I was very sad. And just at the start of this month, they put not only the original season that was on there, but two additional seasons that I mm. have not seen. So I'm very excited. Excellent. But here's here's where I'll leave the subscription service. And it also kind of explains, again, what kind of person I am. I have Adobe, the Adobe Creative Suite. So that includes um, programs like Photoshop, InDesign, yada, 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 yada. And I bought it probably about six years ago. So it was Adobe Creative Suite 4. It was very expensive. Yes. And I was looking recently to see, oh, do I, where where can I get like the most recent version of the Adobe Creative Suite? Because I was thinking maybe I want to buy a new version just to kind of upgrade my game. There's a lot of new functionality. If you look for tutorials on how to do certain things, it's really difficult now, or it's getting more difficult to find ones for the Creative Suite for programming because they want to keep those things up to date. Well, as it turns out, they don't. Adobe doesn't sell physical right. copies of their Creative Suite anymore. They, they, I have to yeah. buy a subscription, which is like ten bucks a month. Now, I do graphic design purely freelance, purely on the side. I cannot justify spending a hundred and twenty dollars every year for the Adobe Creative Suite when I don't use it that much. I use it when I need it, but it's not my full-time job. So again, that's not for me. I would much rather have the physical copy of that program and then upgrade it as upgrades come out. And they don't give you that option anymore. It's really stupid. Mm, I agree. (sighs) Frustrating. So so yeah, so but even Adobe adopted a subscription model Mm -hmm. because they saw the benefit in that, like like less per month. Even I guess technically that's how I run the the computer system at, at the store. That's a subscription-based model. I pay 50 bucks a month instead of upfront paying like the five grand for the computers and everything. Mm-hmm. I paid 50 bucks a month. However, as we get to our six-year anniversary, mm-hmm. we've been paying 50 bucks a month. Right. So we've been paying $600 a year. So now we're up to 3600 bucks. Right. And that I've paid into them mm-hmm. now more because I have a second register. So I'm technically paying 80 bucks a month now. <sighs> so it's like eventually I'm going to get to the point where I paid these guys $10,000 over 10 years right. as opposed to a one-time fee of like three or four thousand dollars so it, it's interesting but again when i was starting off i could not afford that i right. had to you know well and that's also the the upfront cost buying a game outright from a best buy or a GameStop is a larger investment if you don't like that game you're kind of out of luck well and the subscriptions even playstation plus or not playstation yeah playstation plus and xbox live do it xbox live is 60 bucks a year or it's, I want to say $40 for three months, or I think it's $15 a month or however they break it down. Okay. So it ends up being $15 a month, which is a way horrible deal compared That's to, pricey. or is it $10? Whatever it is, it might be $10 a month, but anyway, it breaks out. You pay way more if you do a less subscription. Mm. So they want you buying a year at a time, which right. makes sense, you know, but that, that's kind of the Blizzard does stuff. the same thing. I, exactly. Yep. So. so if I pay for three months, it's cheaper than paying just for one month, which is more but it's more expensive than paying for an entire year up front so exactly. it's it's all about where where your means are you know there's nothing wrong with going to your local used video game store and buying a video game that's used there's nothing wrong with that just like there's nothing wrong with feeling like you want to spend 10 bucks a month if you have the means to do it but please if you can't afford it don't do it mm-hmm. that's really it that's that's a good thing to think about for anything in life you know i i don't own any credit cards because for me 
I was raised with the mentality of if you can't afford it, you probably shouldn't buy it. And I was never encouraged to get a credit card or anything like that because it was if you can't pay for it with cash, you don't you don't need it like at all. Like, don't even try. Don't don't try to convince yourself that you need it because you don't. Right. <laughs> the only time I really got a loan, other than when I bought a bought a house, was when I bought my car. That was the only time I'd ever had to take, hmm. and that was through the dealership. Right. They just so it wasn't it. really yeah. like a credit card. Anyway, so subscription service. It's ten bucks a month. If you feel like that's what you want to do, then go do it. Cool. It's not for me. <laughs> Horizon Zero Dawn. You've so this, played this. You've, this is what well, I'm currently playing. You've you've claimed you've played it, but I have yet to see one minute of this video game. Yeah, I've I've Thanks. played it on my last couple of days off, so mm. I'm I'm probably at about six hours in, and six where or seven hours. Was that? Uh, probably working. Yeah. Now probably definitely. definitely. I was at oh. work, and so I have yet to see any of this supposedly amazing game that's like the greatest it thing is, ever. It is really good. It's uh, like I was saying earlier. It's kind of a cross between. I say I used to say between Witcher three and Mass Effect. Okay. But then I started throwing in Metal Gear Solid because now you'll get to an area where there's like ten people and you can stealth kill them all. Oh neat! So you like I can call them over I'm and then terrible. I'll stealth kill them in the because you're standing in the tall grass like hidden. Oh sure. And you have a sound meter, so if you run around, you uh, you make noise and they'll alert them. Um, I already I they have skill trees and I've already given myself the skill where I can sprint at full speed and not be heard, mm-hmm. which is great. Um. So yeah, so anyway, I'm playing this game. It's really good. I highly recommend it to everybody. I think it's actually going to be better than Legend of Zelda, like I was Ooh. saying earlier. But we'll see. Um, I'm probably going to stop playing this to play Zelda because I, I do want to play Zelda and I've got the itch to play just that game. Uh, but Horizon Zero Dawn is excellent so far. Like I'm I'm on track. It's an open world game, but it doesn't have all the same boring open world stuff. Like there's side missions and stuff, but it's not as... There's not as much of it that's more generic like a lot of open world games do. Like Assassin's Creed will have a million side missions that are all kind of stupid. This game, it tries to keep them condensed, you know. So where we're going to go with this is that there was a Polygon article that came out, what, March 3rd, which was Friday. And I want to read it and and I want to get your, your take on it. Because okay. having played the game, I haven't seen any of it. So I really have to take this article at face value. But they've received criti- uh, criticism, um, and when we say they, it's Guerrilla Games who makes it. They're actually based in the Netherlands, in Amsterdam. They received criticism for its portrayal of different tribes represented in the game and four words used to describe those people. Savages, Braves, Primal, and Tribes. And a Native American writer called out that game saying that it's reinforcing racist and colonialist ideals ideas about indigenous people what do you think about that i think it <laughs> I, I don't know it makes no sense to me since when is how is tribal an offensive word like like on like like here if anybody listening isn't from the, the area like that knows the area like um, Wisconsin is a huge Oneida. Native American population. Well, actually, not even just Oneida. There's there's so many yeah. different. So, like on their identif- on their identification cards, um, which we would sometimes take in for like doing tax exempt uh, sales and stuff yeah. like that. It says right on there, it's like Oneida tribe of Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. So they call themselves a tribe. I, I don't. I mean, unless I'm totally blasting this out and I'm wrong, and I do apologize if I am, but I'm pretty sure that that's 
totally acceptable vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand savages. I totally get why that, right. why you could consider that offensive. But in the game, it's another group calling that group that's more like more tribal, calling them savages. Okay. So it is meant to be a derogatory term. It's not like Guerrilla Games is saying, oh, hey, you want to play as these awesome savages? No, it's mm-hmm. they're, they're not trying to highlight it. Um, and, uh, let's see, what were the other two words? Sorry. Uh, Braves and primal. Okay. Primal. I mean, that's that's, that's, an adjective. That's more, and that's more describing stuff like, well, primal tribes. So like it's, it's the idea of, of, um, horizon is that mankind's kind of devolved back into a tribal mentality because there was some sort of calamity on earth that caused, like a huge split and like a huge divide and machines roam the earth, like AI controlled machines, essentially. And you're part of what looks like a more of a Nordic tribe. Actually, it's more Vikings than it is native American. Okay. So you look at that. And I mean, I, I I guess that that could like primal is more trying just, I think to describe almost like caveman, how they, they use furs for clothes and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. I mean, well, bows and arrows and a very primitive technologies. Outside of what you said about the AI kind of machines kind of roaming the earth, the the human population has devolved right. in a way where it's not what we know today as being uh, society or culture right. or anything. It, it it's much it's more like more primal than mm-hmm. it is today. <laughs> well, and for those that don't know, I had heard the term cultural appropriation before, but I wasn't really sure what it meant. So before we logged on to do this i looked it up on wikipedia which (laughs) despite it being on the internet and anybody can update it it's still very useful information wikipedia is i think great because it's a whole you know it's a free encyclopedia is really what it is but a cultural appropriation is the adoption or use of the elements of one culture by members of another culture but it's seen as harmful or controversial when the cultural property of a minority group is used by members of the dominant culture without the consent of the members of the originating culture. So they're saying it's offensive if, say, someone of, uh, I don't know, someone of like, someone white like me. Mm-hmm would would use these terms in a game and make a game about Native Americans and then use these terms, it's more offensive because they're technically a minority and I'm not. Which, I'm not saying that people wouldn't do this sort of thing in a way as to keep minorities down. That's absolutely things that happen. And they purposely belittle and use derogatory terms. Right. And all that sort of stuff. I think what more upsets me about this story is that, I, I guess I need more details. Did she actually play the game? Or did someone walk up to her and say, Oh, well, there's this game came out and it basically calls Native Americans savages. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, did she play it or, or, or was she just told about it or she read about the game and she saw the influence and then she watched a YouTube video and was like, Ugh, uh, here's another video game. That's, you know, not getting you know my heritage. Correct. You well, know? and I think this is the article that she wrote, which was on medium.com. But in all those thousands of words, those dozens of instances of that particular list, so tribal, primitive, brave, savage. She's saying here she's she's more upset at the people who reviewed the game and who played a lot and didn't even mention this is what she's saying here. Right. Not a single review makes mention of the historical usage of those words or the tropes reflected in Horizon that caused the writers to use them without hesitancy. Now, is that a problem? Yes, it can be. However, 
without me having like seen the game or played the game, I mean, us as a, in a United States of America sort of culture, we have a horrible and horrific history of what we did to the Native American people mm-hmm. when in the uh, in the way that we tried to, you know, break these savages, quote unquote, or you know, uh, overtake their land, rape and pillage their women, like all of that sort of stuff. I mean, it was it's horrific, and, and we it's don't. Real. It happened. It's it real. happened. It's not. It's not made up. That happened, and like, it's so downplayed when we talk about American culture or United States culture. It's it's so glossed over. You know, you hear about the Trail of Tears, but it's like, oh, that was really sad. It's like, no, that was a horrible event that happened that apparently everybody was okay with and all of that you know the 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 wild west it's like well what do you think we were trying to do we were trying the the united states uh, anglo-saxon people were trying to overtake and essentially cause the extinction of an entire race yeah, of people. They, they wanted to take over the entire area as theirs. They wanted to turn into their own country and they wanted to get rid of the indigenous population. Because, I mean, that's just what it was. Right, because, the, because those early colonists, settlers, saw themselves as a more dignified, more intelligent, more whatever sort of culture. Yeah, yeah more. They were um, sophisticated. Yes. Yeah. And which is hilarious when you look at like people that like the Americans that were going out West and they were shooting each other all the time. Like right. they, they were so much more civilized, you know? Now with, with guerrilla games, I had mentioned earlier, they're from Amsterdam. That's in the Netherlands. I mean, the Netherlands does have a history of being a colonialist, colonialist type of, of country with i think it was called the dutch indo east trading Co- okay. something with that they they did do some colonialism in the west indies i think it was or okay. east indies oh, hold on i got it i gotta look it up but um the dutch east indies that's what it was called so they do have some history now i didn't do enough research to to see like what how they feel about you know, native cultures or when they did the the trading company, like what did they do to the, the locals? But yeah. I can bet you that it wasn't as horrific as what the U.S. settlers did to the Native American colonists. Where I'm going with this, this long-winded explanation is really that we, we, the U.S., American people, probably have a little bit more... Um, guilt i don't know how to how to say this in the right way without making it without just me ham-handing it but we don't the dutch people don't necessarily come with all the baggage you know what i mean okay sure and i'm not saying that you know i'm not trying to make light of what happened in the early days of the, the u.s as far back as you know the mayflower and all of that but i do think that there is a fine line between, you know, what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. But having me not having played the game, I really can't make yeah. a decision either way. But if this person played the game or saw the game or watched somebody play the game on YouTube and felt like she was being, as a Native 
uh, American or an indigenous American felt it was putting her people in a bad light. I think she has every right to say that. Well, and I think the point you were getting to during that explanation as well was that, like, it's not like this was a game made by Americans. Right. It was a game made by people in the Netherlands, you know, in Amsterdam, Mm -hmm. you know, so they, it's not like the people that committed the atrocities made a game and then started using the terminology associated with those atrocities as a way to like, as a negative term for them. I kind of feel like intention, intent has to come in here somewhere too. Mm-hmm. They have to look at it and go, what was the intent of this game? Was it to knock um, the Native American culture? Was it to, um, to insult and belittle Native American people? No, it was a game that they made and they took influences absolutely from many different tribes, whether African tribes, the Nordic stuff, or Native American tribes, took a lot of inspiration from that, and they tried to build their own universe around that. So it's not like they did a historical recreation of what actually happened in the U.S., and then they tried to somehow downplay it. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm looking at that. Yes, stereotypes absolutely exist. Well, I mean, and that's What I'm pointing you know. at is that Overwatch had, uh, I think her name is Farah, her Thunderbird and Rain Dancer skins. Now that to me is cultural misappropriation. I mean, it is, it is not like that to me. It, it goes back like when you see like these kids in these like 1950s TV shows, they're wearing like the full headdress yeah. and they play cowboys and Indians and all that kind of stuff. And, and it makes you just kind of go, Ugh. like that makes me feel really a uncomfortable. A bit, yeah. But from what you had said, you didn't feel that way. When you were playing this not game, even a, not even a little bit. Because it wasn't. It's... It wasn't cringy to me at all. It didn't feel inappropriate. Like, and I know I'm not Native American. I have no Native American history or ancestry. Um, so it might be something that's more sensitive to somebody else. Mm-hmm. But it's not like I'm very good at detecting that sort of thing. And it didn't feel awkward to me. Like I've talked about that before. Like when I watched Overwatch's videos and they had the really badly done Japanese accents and stuff. And yeah. I was like, and like in Missa Pandaria where they've got like the fat pandas oh, and they're like, yes. you know, these horrible Chinese accents. And I'm like, ugh, like that's just cringy as all hell. But I didn't get that at all in this game. They weren't doing it to, to like poke fun or to be like a hokey cartoon caricature of a native American. I thought, I mean, I, I, I and I've never heard anybody and, and being from this area, I have a lot of friends that are native American. And I've and a lot of them have played this game, and none of them have said anything about being offended by any of it. In fact, I would almost argue that they almost feel proud to be kind of represented right. in a game. Like they they have some like finally like there was a game that came out called Prey for the Xbox 360 a couple years ago, and that had like a, it started off you're a Native American that really has nothing to do with the story, but you're in like a bar, and then you get abducted by aliens, and you're running around. You know? Oh, so it really had an idea. But I know a lot of people who were like it was just really cool to see me represented in a game, like like you know. Me as a, as a as a Caucasian, I'm represented in like every game. Yeah. So I don't have that feeling, but it, it I I know what it's like when there's a character who I can relate to, mm-hmm. and if you can relate to a character, obviously you'll have more attachment to it. Well, it was a similar story. Like Native American culture, especially in the United States, is not very well represented, and I think that that's a severe disadvantage because there's so much wonderful cultural things with Native American tribes. I mean, as we've mentioned before, there's 
a laundry list of Native American tribes that are within the, the Wisconsin state. I mean, just to name a couple of them, I mean, there's Potawatomi, Oneida, Ojibwe, Menominee, Ho-Chunk, Iroquois. Mm-hmm. I'm just reading this right from the list. And it's, there's so much beautiful history and so much beautiful culture. And there's a great museum that's, oh gosh, I can't even remember where it is, but it's out by um, like the airport. And in the middle of nowhere, and it's like an Oneida uh, historical museum. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful to see all the different artifacts and everything. It, it's, I guess, to me, like, would they rather, would they rather they lost that through time? Like, would you rather that video games stayed away from Native American culture and history? What? Because what I mean, and what she seems to be really hung up on are these four words, which I've already debunked, like three of the words as being just not having any issues. And then the fourth word, I totally agree that like, if, if I walked up to my friend who was Native American, I said, Hey man, you savage. Like he should get mad at that. And I would right. totally understand that. Why would you do that? But this game, this game didn't try to highlight that terminology. It was almost like it was, they were being called savages because they were, and it was meant to be a derogatory term in the game for the character that represents that culture. So it was part of the story. It wasn't just done just to like belittle I, it's so confusing well, to me what people get offended at everything now like well okay, going back to like how the native american people are kind of misrepresented or not misrepresented but just not very present in media uh i'm not talking about like movies from like the 1950s like we mentioned before but uh a today example is suicide squad where they had the one Native American guy. Everybody was super excited. They really pimped out the fact that he was going to be in this movie. He gets, uh, he's the butt of a joke and then gets killed. Like Mm, within the first two minutes of him being in this movie. And then he's never seen again. And it's like, what the heck was that? Well, and we're watching Twin Peaks. Oh, God. And so yes. they've got one of the deputies is Native American. What's his name? Is his it last name is Hawk. It's so, like, I mean, oh, so God. so right away, it's just he just walks. It was like Hawk. And he's got this. Yes. Like, I mean, it just, it just it's again, it, you can as soon as you see that, you're like, oh, like you cringe a little bit. You're like, oh, they kind of give him a little bit of a mysticism sort of vibe where it's like he can very stoic and silent. Yeah. And, and using, yeah. you know, his his, you know, his his power with the with the earth and all this like they have him discover things it's like it's like come on really so so then this happens which honestly if a game comes out and someone has a problem with it they want to talk about it okay please let us know well well, i mean like like her like like the lady who wrote this article oh okay she wants to talk about it okay that's fine i don't have a problem with that so then guerrilla games responds because they they see this article that's getting some traction where they feel like that so then they respond so the response that they have, I'll be honest, I read this, it's a little chippy. Because okay. you can tell that these guys worked really hard on this game. Mm-hmm. And they worked very hard not to offend anybody. And someone still somehow got offended. So I'm going to read his quote. Um, let's see here. Uh, this is the quote originally from the article with her. Uh, okay, so this is what he said. The vo- this is the, the representative of Guerrilla Games. His name is John Gonzalez. Uh, he says, The vocabulary was certainly discussed during the creative process in terms of wanting to make sure we were sensitive to the cultural concerns of our audience. We weren't looking for inspiration from one particular group, and we cast the net widely to look at cultures, tribal cultures around the world, and also throughout history. That's why a lot of people talk about the Nora, that's the tribe that you're from in the game, 
as being like Vikings, or why there are visual elements reminiscent of Celtic pictographs. So inspiration came from a lot of different places. Talking about the term brave, with that in particular, our research into it was that it was not a term that would seem to be offensive. We were trying to find a term that would combine the capabilities of a warrior and the capabilities of a hunter. It was a term that we felt was not derogatory as we came across some terms that were definitely slurs against Native Americans and other groups throughout history. And so our decision was based on brave not being a quote-unquote hot-button term. Right. I mean, they could have used some really horrible terminology and really horrible slurs. And, you know, I get it, the Atlanta Braves, all that sort of uh, controversy surrounding that terminology, the, the way that it's depicted is, is pretty derogatory. Their old logo was pretty derogatory. Yeah. But they felt, I mean, what I'm reading between the lines here is that they felt like they were actually raising that up and having it be of almost a, a not complimentary, but like paying respect to it. Yeah, like, yeah. more well, like, yeah. And so this is the part that I felt like he got a little chippy. Like, okay. as I'm reading what he's saying, I'm starting to see him get like, I can almost picture him in the interview where he's like getting irritated as he has to talk <laughs> about this. So at the end, he says, that said, with the kind of culture of the internet that we have right now, it's impossible to predict what it is that may offend. Certainly, we are not intentionally being insensitive or to offend in any manner. So he's basically saying, you can't, with the internet the way it is now, you can't not offend somebody. It doesn't matter what you do, you come out and there's somebody who's like, oh, you just, you know, you just offended people with freckles. I'm like, what? You know, like. call them frecks. You know, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. It is, right. So then again, so he comes out, he responds in what I feel is a pretty respectful way. He's trying to explain himself. Now, one thing you clearly did not hear from me when I quoted that was an apology. That's true. He did say we didn't mean to do that. But he didn't say, hey, I'm sorry if you're offended. He just said, we didn't mean to do that. And we tried very hard not to do that. To me, I'm okay with that. As somebody who basically has to apologize all the time for things that aren't my fault, you sometimes get sick of apologizing for things. Mm -hmm. Like just working in customer service in general, people out there who work service know, you apologize all the time for nothing that's your, things that aren't your fault. And you're always taking responsibility. You're always taking blame. You know me. I always talk about personal responsibility. Take right. responsibility. I do that oftentimes, even for things that aren't my responsibility, I do that. So then... The person who originally wrote the article, Lacina, she said on Twitter, the response from developer Guerrilla Games was along the lines of what she expected, <laughs> but she was disappointed by the lack of ownership from the studio. And then she said, uh, it's a good example of a situation that could have benefited from additional research or conversation with members of different groups. Do you think they didn't do that? Well, I mean... We don't know. They they probably did to a certain extent. Well, so here it says, Gonzalez said their team did research offensive and otherwise inappropriate terminology um, uh, and pointed to Brave in his example of a word they decided to move forward with. Gonzalez said they weren't referring to the culture itself or the people who belong to it as Braves, but the adjective associated with a class of warrior, which is true. So in the game, yeah. in, in the, game you're, the Braves aren't all the people in the tribe. The Braves are what they just call the people that have ascend, uh, ascended into being a warrior for the tribe. It's like a rank. Yeah, it's a rank. Essentially, it's like a group of fighters, you know, like it's it's it. you become a brave when you pass the trial of the test Whatever, in the game. The, yeah. OK, so. um, Yeah, I, I just so that also irritates me when someone comes out and explains it. And then the explanation is just not good. enough. Well, and, you know, 
again, it could be that people are reading too much into it, or this author of this article didn't actually play it, but only heard about it, and then therefore made some assumptions. I don't know. Um, again, I haven't played it. I, I, I really can't say one way or another. I think she, if she feels offended, she has every right to write an article. Absolutely. To, to talk about it. And she's allowed to feel offended. No, like, she I don't, is. I don't, I don't want to like say that she's in the wrong either. Like she's allowed to have her emotions come up when certain challenges hits and hit. I have no problem with that. No problem with that at all. But I think that the response from Guerrilla Games, I mean, could it have included an apology? Sure. Like, we're sorry you took it that way. Right. Would have probably been all right. Which is almost like more of a slap in the face sometimes anyway. It's like, well, I'm sorry you got offended. It's not, I'm sorry I offended you. It's, I'm sorry you got offended. You well, know? and it's it's more, you, you know, you have to be able to wordsmith it in the right way. But, mm -hmm. I mean, there could have been a way to phrase it to not put somebody immediately on the defensive. I mean, obviously you want to Correct. shy away from using you statements and use I statements instead <laughs> or, or something like that. I mean, there's a way to wordsmith it that, that would have probably made her feel better. But again, I, I don't think it was their intention to do Correct. any sort of appropriation of the Native American culture. And it seems, just from the screenshots that I've looked at, it seems to take into account other cultures than just the Native American or the indigenous people of America. It, it does take into the Celtic and the Viking. And Correct. it's meant, like we had said before, a, a devolution and un... I don't know what the, the mm. adjective I want to use is or noun, the, the devolved, I don't know, you know what I mean? Go, not going backwards, but just going back to a time where people were more communal as opposed to societal. I don't know if that's the right way to say that, mm. but it's, it's before you know the internet before government you know yeah. i mean the government in in a very small way existed but not to the to the well, way that we know it it's today. like hitting the reset button you know and then like going back in time a couple hundred years and then seeing what the world was like before we are now and that's right. all it's trying to be is trying to recreate something we don't know how it was back then i mean you can only well and you have to take into account what was available to people you know Animal skins are right warm. Technically, it's what we're still wearing. Just yeah. we've gotten a little more refined with it, right? You know, you know we're you know leather is a perfect example. Well, me as a vegetarian, I try not to wear leather or other animal skins just because I don't agree with it. I think it looks much better on the cow. <laughs> but but something like cotton's okay because okay. cotton's sheared and and it's actually good for. Or you a mean sheep. wool? Wool. I'm sorry. Wool. Okay, I was like, wool. Cotton, yeah, you cotton's don't wow, wow. <laughs> Look at that cotton sheep yeah. running. Oh, but you're okay as a vegetarian. You're okay with us just <laughs> taking cotton right away from its family. Cotton in a field. Wow. Right, right. I, when it's sitting down to dinner, just pluck it right off. I feel stupid. So <laughs> wool. That's why I was like, wait. Wool, I'm wool have to is stop uh, you. <laughs> wool. Thank you. Wool is sheared off of mm -hmm. you know a sheep, and then 
that oftentimes is something that helps the sheep because if it gets too out of control, it gets really matted and gross and bad. So it's yes. actually better for a sheep to be sheared. But it has to be done responsibly. I Correct. mean, somebody has to know what they're doing and, and everything. And, and there's a right way and a cruel way to shear sheep. Um, so I just had an awakening. Mm-hmm. I just got offended by people being offended on the internet. So <laughs> literally everything offends everybody now. It's, no, I the mean, circles come around. Going back, I, I didn't mention this before because I don't think it's important to the discussion, but my maternal grandfather, he's not actually, he's my step-grandfather, is actually um, half Cherokee. And when I was growing up, like I remember him telling us, you know, these stories that were essentially tall tales, but they had some truth in it and about like the Native American culture and, and being a part of the the world and a part of nature and being one with the earth and all of that. And I think, again, beautiful, beautiful culture that I wish, you know, they weren't so horrifically slaughtered. I mean, there's nothing I can do about it right now except, you know, encourage people to persist that culture and, and to not let it be forgotten. I mean, even something as uh not simple, but something as important as their their language is being lost. So they're still trying to continually preserve it right. and, and all of that. But I think again, she has every right to voice her opinion. Absolutely. I just I didn't like her response to the to their response. Like <laughs> they they were seemingly attacked, so they responded and then she you know, it was almost like, well, that's what I'd expect, you know, like, mm. I'm like, well, what, yeah. what do you, ex- I mean, you expect them to what, I mean, what did she expect them to do? Like, well, we're going to patch the, all those words out of the game. You know, we're going to spend all this money and all these countless hours after we already spent a bunch of money and countless hours making the game and researching terms, that wouldn't be offensive, but let's just take them out because one person wrote an article, mm-hmm. you know, eh, I'm done with it. I'm done with this story. It's irritating me. Oh. <laughs> oh, um, so let's move on to something that's not necessarily happier. What do you mean? But. We went and saw Logan. Yes. On Thursday night. So obviously it's a video game podcast, but whatever. Who cares? We're going to talk about movies. We're not, we're not going to... Talk about movies occasionally on here. We're not going to spoil anything, so don't feel no like spoilers. you have to. But I enjoyed it. I thought it was well done. I was surprised. But again, I really enjoyed the uh, the storyline and, and how it kind of went down. Everything. Hmm. Um, because, yeah... Yeah. Okay. So to to try to, I, I don't know how to like put this in the words without sounding like a tall fruit cup. So what? Like, <laughs> what does that even mean? I I love Wolverine. He's my favorite character. He's my favorite comic book character. He always has been since I was a little kid. My most favorite toy I had growing up was this little yellow suit Wolverine Aww. that had claws that you could push in it spring out and playing Snickety with it. Snickety snick. It's the only toy I've ever bought a second one of because I actually broke his arm off the first one. I played with it so much his arm <laughs> broke the joint to the elbow. So I had a second Aww. one. And, uh, and and he's always been my favorite. And I've been up and down a lot with this series. Like the first X Men movie, I liked it because I liked the X Men and I liked Wolverine. Um, and I thought he did okay. I thought Hugh Jackman was great. And then X Men Two was really good. X Men Origins Wolverine wasn't very good. The Wolverine I didn't particularly very much like either. That was okay. No, it's way too fancy for the one I had. I had oh. like a five dollar is Toy Biz, I think. Okay. Um, Sorry. and uh, no problem. And, and so like, I've been kind of waiting for a movie to do him justice. And this one absolutely did it. It was awesome. Uh, it's just, a, it's just a different universe. You know, that's the one. <laughs> so when he came, when he came out, when he came out, when, um, Hugh Jackman came out, like 
whatever it was last year when he came out at Comic-Con, he just came on the stage and said three words, old man Logan. And that was like to push off that that was going to be the next Wolverine movie. Everyone lost their minds because there's a really cool comic book strip called Old Man Logan, where it's a post-apocalyptic, essentially, world where Logan's one of the only superheroes left. And he's trying to live out his life in the desert, you know, because he's like 500 years old, <laughs> and a couple hundred years old at that point. And basically, the story is that the villains all got together one day and wiped out all the heroes. So the, the villains divided up the world into different, like, territories. Yeah, they show a map of, like, the yeah. continental United States in the comic book. And it's, you know, like, yeah, California own, is owned by banners. It's really neat. I liked it, you know, and it's just Wolverine trying to live with his family. And he, he lives, um, the Hulk gang runs that part. So there's basically a bunch of inbred hillbilly hulks because the only person hulk could breed with was she hulk i guess so they just Ugh. made a bunch of inbred babies yeah it's, they do look a little yeah. inbred <laughs> and, and so it's it's your like inbred backwater hillbillies and um <laughs> and uh so anyway so then there's just a story of wolverine gets mixed up in something and he's got to go from the west coast to the east coast he's got to drive through the whole u.s and like he has to do something you know and i won't spoil it for you because it's a really cool comic so when we heard old man logan from that i was like oh my god are they gonna try to make a movie out of that because that would be crazy. How are they going to get the rights to this character? character? Well, forget all that. Just take that story. Just throw it out. Because what they meant by Old Man Logan was, we're just going to have a story where Logan's an old man. <laughs> and Do you think he knew that? Like, when he oh, said... Oh, yeah. I'm sure he read the script by that point. Everything. No, no, no. I mean, do you think that he knew by saying Old Man Logan that people would immediately think it was the comic book? I think so. I, I think they were doing that on purpose. Because, I mean, Old Man Logan's one of the better story arcs like that had come out in, the re in recent years. And it was a cool thing. And maybe not. I don't know. Maybe he just thought it'd be cool because it was an old man of Logan. And maybe he didn't mean to do that. Who cares? Nobody. Nobody. Cares. But in any, in any case, take that comic book and just throw it out because they don't even come close to anything like that. But it's a great story. <laughs> That's essentially taking place in a world that is more realistic, like the movies always tried to do. Um, there's some really cool, like, one-offs and hits, and, and it's just great. I mean, the movie was more of a drama than it was an action movie. It proves that, like, a superhero movie doesn't have to be, like, that typical superhero movie formula of, like, and not that I don't like them, but Captain America and Doctor Strange, where there's a big bad, and they do all this other stuff, and then they beat them at the end. Like, it doesn't have to be like that. You can make a good story based off of characters that are more realistic. Mm -hmm. um, and it was really good. And I can't say much more else without spoiling anything. Well, that's why I liked the first X-Men. Because the first X-Men was really about Logan's journey to become an X-Men. You know, he was right. very resistant to it. It was like, eh, no, thanks, that's not for me. And then ultimately, you know, being put into that, that role of Wolverine. Yeah. And there's some nice parts in there where they kind of allude to the fact that the X-Men were much more than just who they were in the movies. They became almost caricatures of themselves. Right. There's a neat, there's a neat part. And I don't think this is a spoiler because they showed it in the previews, but like um, the little girl reads X-Men comics. And so like at some point in the universe, someone like licensed the rights to use their likeness to make a comic book adventures mm -hmm. of what they did, even though they technically didn't do a lot of those things. You Surprisingly, know? I read the comic books that are used in the movies were not actual issues. Oh, really? They were done it, specifically for the movie. It doesn't surprise me, like, especially we can't talk about it, but there's mm -hmm. reasons, you know. But um, yeah, so I, I really liked it. It was it was a great story and it was it was awesome. You know, that movie's kind of the culmination of 20 years of X-Men movies and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like 17 years. You know, it was um, Patrick Stewart said he'll, that's his last time playing Xavier. Um, uh, Hugh Jackman said it's his last time playing Logan. So it's just it's really kind of like, wow, I mean, and I love the X-Men. I love Wolverine and, and I've had my ups and downs with it over the last 17 years, but it's 
it's sad in a way to see it go you know especially since Hugh Jackman's been playing that character for 17 years that's almost unheard of and I think it's really cool and I would love to see if they could do other like movies in the current day that weren't pushed off in the future like Logan is and maybe maybe he could still be Wolverine you know in another movie even you mean Hugh Jackman? Hugh Jackman could be. Mm. I mean, like I said, it wouldn't, you know, it, it all has to do with, like, like say they do an Avengers and X-Men crossover movie or something. Or maybe they do another, I mean, I'm just saying they could, you know. And they could. He probably won't, but he no, could. No. Um, but he is, holy cow, he looks the part. I mean, he's the he's the perfect Wolverine, yeah. in my opinion. He And it's funny, because the older he gets, the more he looks like Wolverine. <laughs> like, it, yeah. it, it, like, when he was younger, uh, in the first X-Men movie, if you watch him now, it's really... He looks kind of stupid. He looks like a little baby. Um, well, and I, I love that movie. That's probably my favorite. Well, I shouldn't say that it's my favorite, but it, it's one of like my my favorite go-to superhero movies. Okay. But I hate, hate Anna Paquin. Yeah. I don't like her. Mm. I don't like her acting. I don't like her in anything she's been in. And I certainly don't like her in this. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a fan of her style either. And I just don't. I don't let her. Accents. I don't let it ruin it for me. But I'm with you. I wouldn't pick her to be first in anything for any actress role. What was ever. her superhero ability? She was rogue. Well, right? She's rogue, and so the rogue that we all know. Oh, she takes powers. Right. Yeah. She's like, I'll take your powers. So the rogue <sighs> we all know, um, a long time ago had um stolen like Miss Marvel's powers. So it was another superhero, and basically. She stole her powers, and so she could fly. She had super strength, and she had, uh, but she had a lot of her memory. Like, like that—that's the rogue we always know. But in the X Men movie, she hadn't done that yet, apparently. So she just sucked, and so literally, she sucked powers out of people. But she was just kind of boring. She was, you know? and, and uh, again, and they kind of replaced—they like kind of replaced Jubilee with Rogue. Like they had Jubilee, they had Rogue be like the Jubilee character of her and Wolverine being like kind of like a father daughter kind of storyline. They did that with Rogue and Wolverine. I was like, eh, whatever. It's fine. It's fine. It was an okay movie. Who Not was great. The, who, who's the X Men that was? He was Russian and he like, Colossus. Thank you. Because mm-hmm. he's in that movie for like literally two seconds and he never speaks, so you don't he, know if he's Russian. Well, he's in the second movie. I don't think he's in the first one. Yeah, he he like saves the kids from the. No, that's the second one. Oh, it is? when they're in the mansion, and then he's yeah. like, and he looks at Wolverine and goes, "I can help you," and and yeah. Wolverine just goes, "Help them." I'm like, no. No, Colossus, you helped him. <laughs> and obviously, Colossus was much better represented in Deadpool because um, he's in that. Oh, yeah. And so they made him like Russian speaking. He's metal most of the time. It was really, he was actually, that was cool to see Colossus well done there, too. Even though he's kind cool, of a dope. He's a cool X Men. Yeah, he's kind of a dope in the in Deadpool, but it would fit the movie. So, um, but yeah, so it was good. I do recommend everybody go see it. It was really good. It is R rated, so, you know, maybe not take the little, little There's ones. There's a lot of F bombs in like lot, the first 10 minutes. A lot of F bombs, a <laughs> lot, lot of blood, and some gore. Um, which I think was needed for a Wolverine movie, like, finally. Well, um, and I love that Marvel is doing more uh, adult yeah. movies. And I kind of dig these one-offs, personally. Yeah. Like, I don't think every movie, like, I love what they're doing with the Marvel Universe, how they're building up to the Avengers Infinity Gauntlet and stuff, Infinity War. Uh, I think that's great, but it's kind of also cool to have a one single movie condensed. Like, Deadpool was great for that reason, too. Like, it doesn't have to be part of a bigger picture all the time. But I like that they're doing the bigger picture with the big movies and then make some small one-shots. Do the Netflix series, that Mm -hmm. sort of stuff. They're great for that. Well, and also, if you go and see Logan in the theater, you get a great trailer for... Well, it's not really a trailer. It's a teaser for Deadpool, too. Yeah, it it was cool. Which I actually found this out. So apparently that was going to be after the credits. That was going to be oh, post-credits. Really? Which apparently was why 
there was conflicting reports if Wolverine had, if Logan had a post credit or not. Okay. Because I originally heard it did, and mm-hmm. then I heard it didn't. Well, without, it's not really a spoiler. It'll be a pleasant surprise when you see it. But at the beginning of Logan, you see a Deadpool trailer. It's a trailer is really what it is, but you almost don't know because you right. think the movie's starting and mm-hmm. then it goes into a Deadpool trailer. But it was, um, it, it wouldn't have fit the tone of the movie to put that at the end of the credits. That, you know, that's true. It was better as a trailer than mm-hmm. as a, as an after credit reveal. And I'm glad that they were smart enough to recognize that. Mm-hmm. They were smart enough to look at this movie and go, look, we just got done like hammering at people's emotions for two and a half right. hours. Like they don't want to be like, oh, Deadpool made a fart joke. Oh, you know, you oh. get to see a butt. Jimmy Chango. Anyway, so anyway, Logan's great. I highly recommend going to see it. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So, babe, we're already at the hour mark. We literally just hit it. Holy crap. So let's talk about our Switch unboxing and our first impressions. Okay. About 15 minutes or so, and then we'll be on our way. Okay. Uh, so well, you opened the Switch. I got to open I it. let you open he the was, Switch. And I said, are you sure? And he said, yes. Yep. And I said, yep. Uh, it's very well packaged. I mean, in terms of just the layout of everything, when you first open it, you get to see the Joy-Con controllers and the actual con- yeah. well, console, I guess it would be, the, the tablet-y part, you know? Um, underneath, there's a couple other accoutrements, including the dock. There's the um, the little Fist. wrist. Yeah, the wrist. <laughs> you jerk. <laughs> The wrist straps. I'm trying to make a wrist strap motion, and I have my hand in a fist. Here for my life. She's going to hit me now. Um, the wrist straps that go onto the Joy-Con controllers, in addition to what I call it the WaveBird, but it's... Yeah, it's the Pro Controller. not really. Yeah. Um, the resolution is gorgeous. It looks really good. Like uh, It looks great. It's really crisp screen. Like, it's really nice looking. It's very good. Um... I think it's very intuitive in terms of how the controls move. I did have some trouble um, with the, the analog sticks being at different locations. One, the left side is a little higher than the right side. I did have some trouble with remembering where right. the buttons on the top were because there's um, like the A, B, X, Y buttons. Yeah. And with it just being kind of in a different location, I would hit the wrong button. Um, inadvertently, like if I wanted to drop something versus throw something or whatever. Yeah, and you're used to the PS4 controller. Right. That's what you've been playing with the most mm-hmm. now, PS3 and PS4. So you're used to the analogs being symmetrical right. And right there as opposed to people who are com- comfortable with like the uh, Xbox 360 or Xbox One. Oh, is One. it like that? They have raised and lowered oh. sticks. Yeah, so it's up and down. So I actually don't mind either way. It doesn't bother me either way, but... Uh, what else? I Oh, yeah, so... Um, well... The, let me just say one thing. The sure. one thing I, I was a little disappointed in was the fact that when you undock the Joy-Con controllers and snap them into the WaveBird, whatever it is. Well, you're just talking about, what you're talking about is just the, the shell. It's the a shell. It's, it's a plastic shell that just holds the Joy-Cons to make it in. look like a real controller. Right. So, yeah. it's For me, it's really comfortable when you snap them into there. Um, but as we noticed, there is no way to charge the Joy-Con controllers while it's in that, while it's in that. You would essentially have to take it off of the, like we were playing in TV mode. You'd have to take it off the cradle, plug the Joy-Cons in, and then plug in the switch to the wall so that you could charge the Joy-Con controllers. So it's not. Which is kind of stupid. Well, right, and it's not like the PlayStation 4 DualShock controllers where you can charge it while you're playing the console. 
which I think was a little bit of a miss, but you said they do sell that. Well, they, they sell separately like a, a controller shell that you can plug the Joy-Cons into that does have a charging port in it. Why so why the hell a... that's not included in the box makes zero sense to me. I think that would have been a better choice for Nintendo as opposed to having the one that doesn't plug in. I mean, yeah. it, it just it just makes sense to allow somebody to charge it while they're playing it, it just, on the TV. Yeah, it does. But what's really funny about that too is like you really liked the Joy-Cons. So when I first held the Joy-Cons, they were smaller than I thought they would be. Um, they are ungodly uncomfortable in my hands. I can't, my hands are, are way too big for the Joy-Cons. So I, um, I, you know, put them in that, the cradle or whatever, mm -hmm. and it's still too small for me. Like when I'm holding that, the buttons are small and I don't like how on the left Joy-Con, the buttons are directional because I'm expecting a one piece D-pad, but that they didn't. That was a little strange. Well, and they didn't do that because they want you to be able to use the Joy-Cons as two yes. single-player controllers, right? Mm -hmm. So I get why they did it. It's just I don't like it. So I bought uh, the Switch Pro controller, and that thing's very comfortable. It's very nice. It fits just like a DualShock 4, except the shoulder buttons are more horn-hooked, kind of like an Xbox One controller, and I'm digging it. I, that controller is what I'm going to use all the time. It's very comfortable. And for me, that's almost too big. So me, I've got smaller hands. Well... Yeah. Small, smaller, like half the size. Yeah, of I mean, my my finger, the tops of my fingers come up to his, like, the middle joint of his fingers. <laughs> so that gives you an indication how teeny tiny my hands are. I've always had trouble with video game controllers being too large and mm -hmm. makes my hand cramp up and everything. So for me, having a smaller, more diminutive, because I love that word, a diminutive size of handheld. It's really nice. I will say that when the Joy-Con controllers are on the actual console, it feels a little awkward because it, your hands are so far apart. Yeah, which which I actually, it reminds me of the Wii U gamepad when it's like that. And yes. I actually have experience with that, so it's not so bad. But again, bigger hands, and I'm used to it. For the first time you doing it, you felt it was too big. Right. But then, but it was mostly the reason why I said it was too big was because my hands were so far apart. Yeah. I didn't think that the the screen was too big. I didn't think the Joy-Con controllers were too small. It just felt very unnatural having played with the DualShock controller and mm -hmm. and all of that. Um, it just felt really strange that my hands were so far apart. And I mean, even something like the DS, the DS XL that I have, my hands are still very close together. So it's just something to get used to. It was it's, weird having them on like opposite sides yeah, of the screen. Yeah. But the console itself is fairly lightweight. I was able to hold it up relatively comfortably with one hand while I was drinking my coffee. <laughs> it's it's very sleek looking hardware. And I like that there's not the only thing that's glossy on the controller is the screen. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to you're not going to get gummed up like controllers that you're touching all the time aren't going to be like getting fingerprints and stuff on them. The only thing on the on the switch pro controller the very top where you plug in the charge cable is glossy for some stupid reason i think that's more like infrared wouldn't that be infrared no, radio no. i don't i don't think no i don't think that's how that works but what's really cool about the pro controller is that it's got this smoke translucent shell so you can actually see a lot of the yeah, inner workings neat. when you look at it in, in light. It's a really cool looking controller, which down the line, they can do different colors of those mm -hmm. and people will buy them. They're, they're really nice controllers. So if the battery life's good on them, I, it, what, what I'm hoping they come out with is some company should make a, like a holder that'll fit on that controller and then hold the switch. Oh, so that way I can, I can have it where I'm playing it and still playing in handheld mm -hmm. mode, but playing with regular controller. You should get on that and make a patent. Should I patent that? Yes. It's probably already being done. But anyway, I'll buy it when it comes up. <laughs> 
but yeah, so so I think the system actually, like from a hardware perspective, it's pretty cool. Um, now there were a lot of reports coming out over the last week from reviewers and early adopters that said that the Joy Cons are disconnecting frequently. Hmm. Um, we didn't have any disconnection problems, no. but we only played it for maybe a half hour. But we didn't see anything. And Nintendo officially responded and said, make sure you keep it away from fish tanks. Okay. Lots of wires. Okay. And this one really kind of gets me. They said, and cell phones. Huh. Because what bothers me is, didn't we just report a couple weeks ago about how Nintendo's voice chat is going to work through an app on a smartphone? Oh. But again, I, I don't know if that's how to be. Also, initially right now, there's friend codes. Yes. Again. Friend codes are back and they're stupid. They're really well, long, stupid codes. That's like, the, they say, what was it, seven years ago? Friend codes are dumb. Nintendo thinks about it for yeah. ten years. Nah, friend codes nah, are okay. Friend codes are okay. <laughs> um, it, it, that was a great meme. That's uh, a good one. So, so I think there's a little bit of ups and downs, but for the most part, I love new consoles. And, and I, you know, I was, I was obviously up and down on this one. I really had high hopes. I wasn't happy with a lot of the stuff I was hearing. I'm still not particularly happy with the launch titles. But I do like where they're going with their indie downloads, and I want to buy Blaster Master Zeros coming out in like a week. I want to play that. That's like a downloadable game. Uh, and then obviously Breath of the Wild is gonna be a great game. So, and he tasted one of the. I did. He tasted the the cartridge and for I don't, and I don't Breath be, of the Wild. And like I don't want, I don't know how to describe this people without being like a total you know weirdo. So like obviously there are all those videos like people on YouTube. YouTuber reacts to tasting a Switch cartridge, and then the pictures like him going like, eh, and this is really stupid like made for <laughs> hits rating thing. But because I read all the articles about a bittering agent, I wanted to actually know what a bittering agent tastes like on a piece of plastic. <laughs> so I licked it and oh my God, this is bitter. It's awful. Like if you put that in your mouth, you'd spit it out instantly, which well, is kind of the point. And then so. I tried it and I didn't have any reaction to it. So I don't know if he l- so either it I licked off, it all off or it was because I was drinking coffee that I didn't know. You already had a little bit of bitter because coffee already. Right. It's very acidic. Maybe we'll have bitter. you lick it again now that uh, I'm the still coffee drinking tastes. coffee. Oh, dang it. Oh, dang it. Oh, dang it. Uh, so, yeah. Although, so, I mean, personally, I'm impressed with the switch hardware. Yeah, it's really cool. I will admit too, and I know we've seen this in a million videos, but until you see it in person, it's hard to say. But right away, you know, we had it on the right HDMI channel. Jen plops the switch into the cradle; it instantly shows up on the TV. Yeah. It just was pretty, and it was really smooth and cool. You know, I mean, nothing wrong with that. I thought it was neat. You had to make—I had to make a new Nintendo ID to be able to go online with the Switch, even though I already have a Nintendo ID for my 3DS. But I was able to link the two together, whatever the hell that means. No, so. you had the Nintendo ID and then your Nintendo account. Two different things. Right. So Nintendo account, I had to make a new Nintendo account, yes. which I linked to my Nintendo ID. Sorry, the terminology. I'm confused because there's so much stupid accounts I have to make on a Nintendo well, system. Well, it's because I work in that sort of, well, I used to work in that sort of field where it's like terminology is, is very important. That's why I ask for clarification a lot of the time. Hmm. Because people will say one thing and, and actually mean, mean another. Else. That makes sense. It's like when you say the word, you know, customer, what does that really mean? Like, Does that mean people who have bought this one product? Does it mean people that are thinking about buying a product? Is it anybody that bought a product within the last six months? I mean, it, there's so many different ways to interpret one word. That, that, that word means a lot of different things to me depending on who the customer is. Ha ha ha. All right. Anyway, but hey, thanks everyone for listening. As always, that's the podcast for this week. 
Uh, and we, uh, as always, oh, you know what? Oh, I almost forgot. Okay. Someone, someone sent us a message. Um, (gasps) a question, a question. Uh, so it's going to take me a bit to bring this up. I totally forgot about this, but the guy, we only got one and I didn't want to, I want to make sure that we get it out there. I I can't believe I almost forgot about this. Okay. Uh, Okay, cool. So this is from Brian. Okay. So here's his question, Jenna. I'll give it to you first. Okay. He says, what do you think about strategy guides? It seems like we get bigger games, uh, and these are somewhat needed to figure it all out. So and then he talks about how he remembers playing Resident Evil on PS1 and couldn't figure out how to beat the snake, and they had to do a bunch of other stuff to try to figure it out. So he's curious about what our thoughts are on strategy guides. Well, uh, truth time, I've never used a strategy guide, ever. Ever, ever. Ever, okay. Nope. So I would be the wrong, well, not the wrong person to ask, but from my mentality, I think strategy guides can be really useful for people if they're, if they want to make sure they get the full experience. You know, it includes things like maps and storyline, I think is a little bit of a spoiler in terms of gameplay, but I've, I'm not saying that I've never looked for help on playing a video game i i have googled some things watch youtube videos of other things um but i've never actually purchased a strategy guide sure so i love buying strategy guides but i don't <laughs> ever use them oh it's weird like i i collect strategy guides almost like it's another piece of the game mm. so to me if i really love a game and i want to collect it i'll get the strategy guide as well because i just think that's really neat to have it along with the game so i don't know if that's years of programming from my GameStop days where we were just constantly selling sure guides to people um, as far as using them, typically how I play a game is I will play all the way through it myself first. And then if I want to 100% the game, I will pop open a strategy guide and go through it and get all the missing pieces, find all the secrets. In something like Dark Souls, I'll typically beat a game and then I'll start flipping through it and I'll be like, oh, wow, I missed that. Oh, cool. I didn't know that was there. And then I'll go discover it another time. Mm-hmm. So I think strategy guides are cool, actually. Um, obviously, the day and age of the internet almost killed them, but now they're doing a bunch of really cool collectible guides, like Ooh. hardcover books. Yeah. The hardcover Zelda ones are really cool. So, yeah, I'm a fan of strategy guides. I think they're neat. I actually don't use them very often, but I think they're cool. And I have, if you see over there, like, mm-hmm. yeah, in my game room, obviously, I'm not talking to the people listening. I was talking to Jen about seeing it over here. Clearly, you guys can't see anything. Um, but we have, uh, we, I have a ton of strategy guides. I've probably got a couple hundred uh you know and i've got all the metal gear ones because i collect all metal gear stuff and you know yeah so i think strategy guys are pretty cool yeah, yeah well hey man thanks for the question and as always you guys can always ask us questions uh, you can message us on the game talk radio facebook page or on the game trade facebook page and we'll take those either way you can follow me on twitter at game trade greg that's with two g's at the end mm-hmm. you can follow me on twitter at game talk jen Awesome. Thank you very much, you guys, and you have a great day. Bye. 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 Bye.